Welcome to Fifth Wall's Fly on the Wall podcast, where we explore the shifts occurring in real estate, technology, and society that are driving our cities towards a more equitable, green, and tech-enabled future. I'm your host, Brendan Wallace. In today's episode, I catch up with Landon Tucker, a former entrepreneur in residence at Fifth Wall, who is now the founder and CEO of internet company, Honest Networks. Landon frames the issues surrounding the current internet market, from the infrastructure needed to support 5G to the pandemic's impact on internet demand, and where honest adds value. Landon and I discuss the concept of a digital divide in America and what can be done to bridge the gap. Enjoy the conversation. Landon, how are you? Where are you coming in from? Doing well, man. I'm coming in from Manhattan, the financial district. How about yourself? Uh, I am still out in Utah, so it's been um, it's been uh, kind of home outside big cities for the last six months for me. Um, but Landon, I- I'm really excited to talk about you know Honest Networks and just everything that you've built, you know, over over probably one of the most opportune times to focus on internet um, as a business. But maybe before going into internet and the founding of Honest. Can you just start with your background? Like, how did you end up running Honest? Sure. Yeah. So, I my background is on the on the financial side. So, I was a banker at Credit Suisse for about a year after college, and then um, worked in large cap public equities on the investing side, um, primarily focused on consumer, industrial, financial companies. Um, and I think pretty early on in my career started to notice how you know, technology and changing consumer behavior were impacting these old world industries um, and felt like the most consequential way to take advantage of that was to start a new company. Um, so I decided to leave the investing industry and I think about a month or two after doing that, met, met you and I think you had just, were just about starting what would become the, the, the monster that is fifth wall. Um, and we really hit it off and talked about the opportunity of combining technology with incubating a, a new prop tech company. Yeah. Um, it's very consistent with, you know, my recollection. I'll, I'll tell you one added data point. Um, Max Simkoff, who actually who introduced us, um, Mac and is the CEO of States Title, another fifth wall portfolio company. Uh, when he met, he met you and he was like, this guy's going to build a big company. I think you should just meet him. And on our side, I was like, oh, I'd love to. And I think you probably remember this. We, we met up, I think it was at the Mandarin Oriental in, in New York. And we had, Fifth Wall was brand new. We, we, we weren't even fully funded on our first fund. Yeah. And I think I just made up that uh, we had an EIR program, which of, of course uh, we didn't. But you were the guinea pig uh, to, to get yeah. it. Um, mainly because I just wanted you to build a company with Fifth Wall. Um, and I'll just give my experience of what that was like. You know, our view was Fifth Wall has this big distribution network vis-a-vis the real estate community. You know, we typically invest in established companies like Max, you know, at, at State's Title or like Eric Wu at Open Door. Um, but we had never really done early stage. And I was like, could we, if we have great entrepreneurs, could we build something like that? Um, and 
I remember you wanting to do it and us working together, you coming out to Venice and you were working at the time. If you remember, our office was so small, there wasn't even enough office space for you. Yeah. So you're working on the deck outside and you looked like <laughs> at the end of it, you had like a, uh, just such a heavy tan at, at the end of the building, <laughs> the initial idea. For yeah. that. It was really interesting. Well, why don't you just walk through um, where, where the idea to start a internet company came from? Because that's not necessarily intuitive as both an opportunity a lot of entrepreneurs would be attracted to today. But I'd just love to hear that logic from you. Yeah, absolutely. So part of the EIR program was when you're an EIR, the goal is to build a business that that venture company can, can invest in. Um, and because of what Fifth Wall was doing, we wanted to find a venture backable business in real estate. Um, so we basically brainstormed around what would be the best way to capital efficiently acquire customers through a real estate channel. Um, so we were looking for a product that fulfilled a few metrics. One of them was you wanted a very simple value proposition, something that owners knew was ubiquitous in their, in their commercial real estate, um, and they could get it very easily. Um, you wanted a product that um, was a relatively low ask, actually, from the, from the real estate side. You didn't necessarily need the real estate owners to be your customers or pay a lot of money, but they served as a gatekeeper or a, a key component of this ecosystem that you were targeting. Um, and then you also wanted to find an idea that was leveraging and benefiting from these changing consumer behavior trends that we were seeing in technology trends. So it turned out that internet, you know, building a next generation internet provider was ideal with this setup. Um, you have the rise in 5G technology enabling new providers to basically replicate what the incumbents have done, but at a fraction of the price. You had changing consumer behavior in the form of massive cord cutting or unbundling. So people are dropping their traditional cable packages. I mean, that's really opening up the market for new entrants. And then finally, you had this significant real estate piece, which was the landlord, both the multifamily side as well as the commercial side, and, and frankly, every aspect of, of real estate, um, serves as that gatekeeper and basically decides who gets let into the property to provide internet service. And internet service was an incredibly interesting market because it's very large, it touches multiple real estate asset classes, um, the incumbents oftentimes have opaque pricing, uh, they can be frustrating to deal with, um, and the margin profile is extraordinarily high with gross margins in excess of 95%. So we felt like all of these criteria and all the, the elements were lining up to, to take a dive into the space. It's so interesting. And Obviously, I want to ask you about COVID, but before we go there and kind of how COVID has underscored many of those, those same themes that, that kind of, you know, were the inspiration for Honest, can you just talk about, you know, when we were looking at the space, I remember one of the things you said is you have all these massive companies that provide internet today, but nobody likes them. Um, why is that? Like, why is it that this service that is so important to our lives, all the, all the companies that provision it to us are bad at, at the very thing we trust them to do? And is that an artifact of kind of 
how cable started and this bundling of telephone and cable and internet? Like, why is that the case? Yeah, so it's a, it's a great question. I think the, the number one reason why um, customers can get frustrated with their cable or internet provider, the number one reason is a lack of competition. So the FCC says that 85% of US households have either zero or one internet provider offering speeds in excess of 100 megabits per second. So that's basically a speed tier that's arbitrarily cut off as fast. So basically, there's not a lot of choice in where you get your residential internet service. Um, so when there's not a lot of choice, there's less of an incentive to provide absolute premier customer service. So part of it is just the, the historical business model lent itself to natural monopolies. I think the other, the other major point of this was there, there were hitherto significant barriers to entry. So you had to run a wire to every single property. You needed to negotiate uh, contracts with municipalities um, and you had to get cable franchises. Um, you had to build out your own uh, video business because you needed to acquire content to package both an internet product and a video product. Um, with the, the, the rise in 5G technology along with, with fiber, you can basically replicate and serve as another option in a lot of these metropolitan areas um, when there hadn't been competition. So, so new technology around how you distribute internet is opening up markets, not just in urban areas, but, but in rural areas as well um, with companies like Starlink. Um, and then secondly, can I just ask you on that? Because the way I think about that is, is, is that it's almost like the cable companies kind of ended up having to provide this service that they never really intended. They, they, they had built the infrastructure, a kind of old world infrastructure that made it possible for them to provision it to customers in kind of a crappy way. And then they were obviously, th this kind of cord cutting trend was thrust on them. And the primacy of internet as the most important service they were providing and the method through which they were providing it, which is this old infrastructure, was kind of instantly antiquated. And I totally get that. But I remember when you were explaining to me, you know, what millimeter wireless and, and dark fiber is and kind of like what this technological leapfrogging opportunity that had just been created is. Can you just walk through that and unpack that a little bit? Like what is the what changed in the last five years that made this possible? Yeah, so it's a great question. The major uh, element that's changed has been um, using a combination of fiber optic infrastructure that you install in buildings and also invest in, in neighborhoods. Um, you can bring massive amounts of bandwidth to big, big cities, big marketplaces, um, and then you can interconnect that fiber optic connections with 5G wireless networks. Um, and when I say 5G, that's sort of a marketing term, but basically what it means is you can deliver massive amounts of capacity over the air when you historically weren't able to do that. So you can now bring 10, 20, 50 gigabits per second, basically like fiber type infrastructure, but do it over the air. The way that you do it is through millimeter wave spectrum. So millimeter wave spectrum is a type of frequency of spectrum that's very fast. And the, the higher the frequency, the faster the data can be transmitted over the air. And the investments that a lot of industry participants are making in 5G technology is enabling this type of fast speed over the air. 
So that's what we take advantage of um, when we deploy our millimeter wave with, with fiber optic backbones. And so when, when just to conceptualize that, is that, and this might be a gross oversimplification, but is that kind of like you, you've, it's effectively possible now to have the equivalent of like a 5G mesh network with antennas pointed at each other. And then ultimately when it runs into the ground and connects to a data center, right, where actually, you know, data is ultimately delivered to the consumer, um, all that is just rentable, meaning you don't need the infrastructure anymore or the infrastructure you do need is very simple and lightweight. You're not digging up trenches in the ground to install all of this. So it's almost like you've been able to build your business on piggybacking off the fact that technology is now at a stage where all of this infrastructure that most of the cable companies built has kind of been rendered useless at the same time that consumers are valuing this one service, internet, and its speed and reliability to a greater extent than they ever have. Is that, is that the right way to think about it? I, I think it, it is, but the, the key is to invest your, invest your resources on the most differentiating aspects of delivering high quality internet service. So you want to own your, you want to rent your own spectrum from the FCC so you can control the delivery mechanism to the customer. You want to invest your own fiber optic infrastructure in these buildings so that you're delivering that internet very fast into a large real estate complex. What you don't necessarily need to do is run fiber to every single building, meaning if you have a massive amount of fiber into, say, the financial district, and then you're interconnecting properties across the street, for instance, with a 5G millimeter wave connection, you're going to be providing basically an outstanding connection using both topologies, but you're way more efficiently using those resources that are in the ground. So you can basically better amortize network infrastructure. And then with that better efficiencies, you can then invest in things that people really care about, like great customer service, great software to, to drive a delightful customer experience. So it just gives, it frees up your, your resources as, as an internet provider to invest in things that customers really care about, like, like great service. And, and it, it seems like also at the same time, we talked about how the existing companies kind of have these, you know, are just not very well liked by consumers. They have these very low NPS scores and reliability is bad and you kind of, you overpay for things that aren't really valuable to you. But what's interesting, and I know you have a really, I think, unique view on this, is that internet has become like a utility, right? For, for the modern resident of a building uh, or the modern occupant of an office building, it's just mm -hmm. you have to have it. It's like running water. And landlords want to offer differentiated spaces, right? A landlord wants to be able to say, that my building has really fast internet because unlike say running water where the baseline is it's clean and drinkable and reliable um there are different quality levels to internet different speeds different reliability how yeah. are landlords thinking about you know providing internet to their tenants as a way of differentiating their assets you kind of made this point that it is easy to say yes to, right? You want to create a product that's very easy to for real estate owners to say yes to, which is, you know, why Fifth Wall exists to some extent. But walk me through that dynamic when you're selling into a building. The, the key to keep in mind is that the stakes for internet have just been 
elevated tremendously because if you're trying to run your business at home, it's, it's almost an existential question around how, how am I going to, how am I going to conduct my affairs if I don't have fast, reliable internet? If you have children at home taking a statewide exam for, you know, or, uh, uh, an SAT type class and they don't have fast, reliable internet, how are my kids going to be able to succeed and, and learn without that, that service? Um, and, and after a stressful day, I want to stream Netflix at home. How do I make sure that I can get through watching Game of Thrones or, or whatever you want without constant buffering? So across the spectrum of people's experiences, fast, reliable internet is just so critical, as, as everyone who's watching this is aware. So what that means is that the, the, the landlord needs to understand this and they need to, their goal ultimately is to keep their tenants happy so that they keep paying them and they keep being able to provide a great community. So it just puts an emphasis on making sure that the best connectivity experience is available in their property. And how does COVID change that? And I'll just give you my own personal experience <clears throat> on that. It's like, I'm at, I'm now out in Utah and um, I didn't realize how important fast, reliable internet is to my life, my quality of life, my ability to work because my home is now my office. It's my place of entertainment. Um, I have a, a, a Peloton. So it's now also my gym uh, for people that have families. It's also, as you said, their, their place of school, like meaning our access to the outside world in a quarantined environment is totally premised on and dependent on the reliability and speed of accessing the, the world wide web, right? Like that is our connection point with the outside world. And what I realized is I was like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm running my business, you know, over, over zoom. Like that, that is now how fifth wall is, is operating. And if the rails are bad, if the infrastructure is bad, my capacity to do so reliably is really bad. I can't be in an investor meeting. I can't be working with my employees and saying, oh, my internet's unstable. Let me dial into this call. How much has the COVID experience and the quarantine experience increased customer demand for and consciousness of how important internet is? Because for me, I literally about... Uh, about two months ago, I was like, I don't care what it costs. And I know that Utah doesn't provide it very well, but I need gigabit internet. I just, I need to make sure that I'm always connected mm -hmm. to a high speed connection. Is that, yeah. a, is that a social consciousness change that's happened because of COVID? So in terms of the demand and where it's expanding, you have both your existing customers who are just relying on the service significantly more. So on that first point, you're seeing 40 to 50% increases in bandwidth consumption per subscriber versus post-COVID versus pre-COVID at home. So on the one hand, you just have your existing subscribers are relying so much more on the products mm -hmm. that it needs to be an essential, reliable good in their lives. So what you've just seen is the value proposition has really been accentuated in this market as people are using your product every single minute of every single hour. Um, for, for new customers who are considering new choices in terms of how they consume their internet, 
I think what we're finding is the market is shifting more towards a premium product. So historically, kind of pre-COVID, there's a there's a little bit more of commoditization of the product. People are a little bit more focused on price versus uh, versus performance. Um, a little bit more focused on the potential for a bundle. And I think all of those factors have just been overwhelmed. Um, the 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 need for reliability for quality overwhelms. Uh, pricing considerations, it overwhelms whether or not you want to retain a bundle because it's just so important to have basically a business class type connection at home. So it doesn't mean that we can't offer, we offer our, our services very affordable, it's 50 bucks a month, but just the, the, the needs of the consumer have migrated towards premiumization. Um, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. In fact, I see it continuing to accelerate as people hunker down. And, you know, 50 bucks a month, right, is, I think, for anyone who's ever bought a cable subscription or, you know, got a landline or signed up for internet is, is very cheap. Is that a function of just where we are technologically around spectrum and dark fiber and, you know, fixed wireless? Like, is, is that possible today to provide at that price $50 and still, I assume, maintain great margins simply because you built this company right in the last few years. Is that really the innovation here? So yeah, the innovation is both around the capacity of the internet you can deliver as well as the cost in which you can deliver it. So mm -hmm. it's not just the affordability, but it's the, the price for it's price per megabit price per gigabit. Right. So the technology is basically enabling massive capacity to properties and then it's also enabling you to do it much more quickly. You can, you can onboard properties within two to three weeks or even days at times. Um, it allows you to expand your network um, more expeditiously because you're not relying on necessarily permitting in the streets or trenching out in the streets every single time you need to expand your network. Um, and because you can do it much more capital efficiently, you can share those efficiencies with your customers in the form of lower prices and still earn a reasonable return on the, the capital you're deploying. And I know one of the things that's really important to you and that I think on, whenever I, I, I talk about Honest and people are familiar with it in New York, the, the consistent theme is the quality of service is so differentiated, right? And on the one hand, you have this very low bar that's been set by the existing cable providers. Um, but it feels like you've tried to go above and beyond that, right? So that customers have this delightful experience in interacting with their internet provider that is just so atypical of what they've come to expect, you know, in interacting with a cable company. Um, why did you build it that way? And, and, and how have you built it that way? So, I mean, we built it that way because the market is so massive and the market supply of internet was only catering to a commodity experience. It was, how do we minimize maintenance costs? How do we make sure we minimize the amount of truck rolls to, to get to our customers? Um, how do we expand pricing and margin? Because we're large $100 billion plus public companies, we need to keep growing ARPU. We need to keep growing revenue per share and make our, make our, our uh, shareholders happy. So you had this, this market that was increasingly having, being acquired, getting consolidated, all serving the same purpose, which was a commodity type experience. 
and pushing margin at any price. Um, what we felt was that you could build a differentiated customer service experience and that that would inure to your benefit over time as you start to build your own flywheel. You start to drive brand perception in the marketplace, you'd make customers happy, they would say nice things, and then that would help drive interest from property owners who are the, ultimately the gatekeepers in the market. They would bring you into their property, you drive brand awareness in that property, and so on and so forth. And obviously, Fifth Wall is a key part of this, this flywheel because we are working with a lot of the, the, the partners in the Fifth Wall ecosystem to provide this, this solution in their properties. So we felt as though if you started with almost a boutique type experience that really wasn't out there in the market and you could build that brand awareness, then you would, you would start to have a snowballing effect in the market. And that is, that is what, we're, what we're seeing, especially now with, with COVID. And that snowballing effect, maybe just to unpack that a little more, is that you, know, you go into a building, um, the owner operator of that building is delighted. They get positive feedback from tenants that say, oh, wow, this new service provider has you know, super fast internet. It's cheap. They have great customer service. Presumably those tenants evangelize it to you know, other tenants in the building and the property manager then evangelizes it to other tenants in that building. And over time, as people turn you know, into and out of that building, it leads to higher retention of tenants, right? Because it's a service that that building has that maybe other buildings don't. But then I imagine there's a real kind of um, operator network effect, meaning that once a property manager has a positive experience with something like internet, they likely manage many properties in the yep. same region. Is that really been a, a kind of source, a kind of land and expand approach to your business and how you deploy? Absolutely. Our goal is not just to make our residents happy, but also to be good partners for the real estate companies. And I think what they find is that high quality internet is such an amenity in their buildings that if they find a vendor that can deliver it well, it's incumbent upon them to ask that vendor to expand to the rest of their portfolio because they want to be the best position in their respective neighborhoods. Um, as you know, as you know, uh, talking with landlords, the last thing that a landlord wants is functional obsolescence, right? They don't want to not have the infrastructure that people need that makes their building less appealing. So when you find a vendor that can deliver this product well, it, it only uh, behooves them to replicate it across multiple properties. Right. And are you seeing and are you, you kind of hearing from landlords that having, you know, fast, high quality, cheap internet with great customer service is a contributing factor to tenants staying longer in buildings. I'm sure there's obviously a much broader calculus, right, as to why a tenant decides to stay in a building. But to me, that seems especially today, especially in 2020, when people are in their apartments uh, at times all day. Um, is this like a critical and increasingly critical driver as to why they stay and why tenants don't churn out of buildings? So certainly internet is voted by residents to be the number one most important amenity if you're moving into a multifamily property. Um, studies have, have shown that. Um, so if your goal is to make your residents happy and happy residents are renew 
then this is probably the best way to try to increase your renewal rates is to offer them the best type of connectivity amenity in their property. And I guess when you play that out, right, like this world we're in today where, you know, there's this kind of demographic reshuffling that's happening, you know, cities are kind of um, in some ways reinventing themselves and realizing that um, the, the workforce is shifting to a more virtual workforce. Um, and at the same time, we are faced with this kind of episodic, you know, stay at home orders, quarantining, and life is happening indoors in the home um, to a greater extent than ever before. Do you think that really what this moment in time underscores is that the, the new businesses that, that, that provide internet in this new ecosystem, this new infrastructure of, of, of dark fiber, right, and millimeter wireless, and, and yet have the practice, have built the kind of muscle memory of like, how do you deploy in this new model? Are we going to see a world where the shift towards a business like Honest is just going to accelerate for no other reason than the importance of internet is higher than ever before. People are staying home more than ever before, and yet it can now be provisioned and you can have these kind of almost local network effects, these hyper-local network effects and economies of scale because I imagine in certain parts of New York, you're so well-practiced at just doing an installation, right? And, and getting your internet through to a whole set of tenants in a condo or in a multifamily building. Do you think we're gonna see massive growth in, in a business like, like Honest and this whole ecosystem? Yeah, so, so we are obviously experiencing significant growth. Um, I think what you're seeing in the market is increasingly people are sitting at home and they're getting frustrated with their experience and they're increasingly asking the question, is there a better option out there? So what had hitherto been a product that was more of a commodity where they were willing to accept the mediocrity of what they had is now just an active problem that needs to be solved. And this isn't just for tenants, but it's also for, for property managers and landlords. So increasingly, there is a need to seek out alternatives. So that is what we're seeing in the market. And this is replicable, not just in the three metros we serve, New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut today, but across the country. So it's, it's increasingly going to be an, an urgent need for, for the commercial real estate industry to, to get right. And I mean, I'm just asking this purely selfishly, but when are you gonna make it to Salt Lake City and, and Summit County in Utah? Like, what are your expansion plans? Yeah, so we, we, it's a good question. We, we have pretty ambitious plans. We're in three metros today. We're going to be in 15 over the next 15 months. Um, so we are looking to basically replicate what we've been doing in the, the tri-state area on the East Coast throughout, throughout the country. And, uh, you know, we'll be bringing gigabit internet to your, to your neighborhood. Well, I'm excited for that. And I guess when, when you think about, you know, where we are in terms of like how many consumers in the U.S. have access to high-speed internet. I mean, how much of a just massive structural shift is afoot right now? Like, I don't know if you know the, the, the high-level stats of like how many American workers and families today have access to slow, unreliable, over-expensive internet with bad customer service 
and how many <clears throat> will need to transition to a service like Honest? Like, what are those numbers? Can you just frame the size of the opportunity for me? Sure, sure. So the residential internet market is a $100 billion town. So it is a massive market where you have, um, you have dueling needs that are both equally powerful. You have the need at the high end of the market um, for premiumization of internet where people are working from home, they have important jobs, and they're looking to upgrade their connectivity. And then on the, on the, uh, the sort of lower middle class spectrum of internet, you have real need for better internet to bridge the digital divide. Um, there was a Pew study that said that 40% of low-income families that have schools shut down, they are unable to, pro to pro provide essential services and work from home because their internet is so unreliable that they have to rely on hotspots. 40% of lower-income American households. So you see an urgent problem and it's not just isolated to one part of the market. It's not just a, an upper class or a middle class or a working class problem, but it's basically ubiquitous, the need to get higher quality internet in a $100 billion market. And I mean, there are pretty broad social implications to that. You know, I, I was reading an article a while back on this concept of digital ghettos, right? Where, where, you know, access to the internet is just fundamentally slower because of the infrastructure in place, because of the proximity of data centers. And that today in, in the modern economy, in the modern information economy, that is a disadvantage, which is structural. And it's obviously locationally premised, right? Where you live and cost of living. Yeah. And I guess this is maybe kind of outside the spectrum of, of something you'd think about, but, do you think this needs to be a real, almost federal or even local policy initiative where public officials should be saying, you know, I'm no longer satisfied with the heretofore existing monopolies that have been in place and been providing internet to the residents of my city um, mm -hmm. or my region, and that we need to create higher levels of competition and we need to create the opportunity for businesses like Honest to step in, right? Because they can build great businesses in a way that consumers get access to faster internet. And when you think about that over an entire economy, right? If you just go back to like macroeconomics, that's a consumer surplus, right? Like if, if everyone had access to higher speed, more, more reliable, cheaper internet, where the company providing it could still make fantastic margins, I mean, that is the definition of a consumer surplus. And so what's so interesting is that, you know, this private sector industry of connectivity seems to have been thrust into a public policy spotlight in a way that it never has before. And I guess my question to you is, do you think we'll start to see those kind of debates and discussions at a, at a policy level? Absolutely. I think what we're seeing is that internet, um, high quality internet can be a leveler to social outcomes. Um, and when you don't have high quality internet, there is what's you know, referred to as a digital divide where the less fortunate are just structurally disadvantaged to educate themselves and, and have more opportunities 
because they don't have access to fast, reliable internet. So public policy officials have to make reliable internet a, a focal point of you know, their, their agendas because it's a tremendous outcome to you know, making our citizenry more educated, making sure that outcomes are not tied to one social class or another. Um, and and it's, if, if, if we're getting educated over the internet now, and, and education is this, you know, the silver bullet to reducing social and income inequality, it has to be a public policy agenda because of how critical it is to enabling that type of education. Yeah, it's so interesting. And I think it's, it's almost just, uh, it's obviously a big private market opportunity for a business like Honest, but it's a, like I said, it's, a, it's the possibility of a real consumer surplus and achieving just better outcomes in our economy, uh, our economy that is an increasingly conditioned and premised on reliable infrastructure and reliable access to the internet. Um, and it's just, to me, that's like one of the most exciting things about your business. Obviously, we work so closely together around making sure real estate landlords see the opportunity you mentioned at, a, at an asset level. But when you think about, you know, the success, the long-term success of what a company like Honest can do to a city or to a sector of the economy or to a particular demographic, it really is profound, right? And I just think that's such a cool macro implication to what you're working on, Landon. Absolutely. The, the market for, for this type of product is just so ubiquitous that the, the need for it to be reliable, instantly available for, for our citizens is, is just its table stakes now. It's no longer something that is, is a, a luxury. It needs to be available for, for everyone. Yeah. But I guess for anyone interested in getting honest into their homes in you know, the regions you're serving, how would they go about doing that? Yeah, so th thanks, thanks for asking that. So we are serving apartments and, and condos in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and soon a number of other metros. So if you're interested in signing up or learning more, you can go to honest.net, um, www.honest.net slash request if you want to uh, sign up or request to bring Honest to your building and upgrade your, your internet. So feel free to reach out to us and, uh, you know, Appreciate, appreciate you know giving us this forum to, to to share that. And how can landlords get in touch with you? They they can also you know reach out to us that they can they can call our eight hundred number. They can go to honest.net slash request, put in a, a note um, with their contact information, and we can reach out to them um, in any of those metros that we we currently serve. Oh, that's awesome. So. Look, Landon, thank you so much for doing this. I think what you're building is so interesting, so exciting, such a big market. Um, and it's always a pleasure to talk to you and just learn about this evolving new market of connectivity and what it's gonna mean for real estate owners, for the economy, and for society. So thanks for sharing your thoughts. Well, thanks for having me. Of course. All right, bye, Landon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fly on the Wall. All of these episodes and more are available on our YouTube channel. To learn more about Fifth Wall, visit our website at www.fifthwall.com.